first time doing some intro on catechism first, and later on, Charlie's got some good material on the church government. Uh, church government is an important thing for, for Lilac to know uh, how it should function. Congratulations, Min. I heard you're going to be uh, next deacon, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ask Johnny if that's a congratulation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. We need more representation for the English congregation. Yes, totally. Thank you. Gina says, no, because though the, okay, let me just sort of slow the idea. And then I wonder what to say about this catechism thing, okay? Because I do think that the, uh, the, the, the decision-making process for the good of English church largely has to come from, the, from, from this congregation here. Because of the because of the di- no problem because of the distance and, and also the uh, structurally uh, very long process of anything being made decision being, being arrived at any decision in the deacons board which they only meet once a month and all this stuff so just to quicken it and to and I also ex- I expressed a few last few weeks ago I want people who actually sit around like now to to feel the pulse the heartbeat of the English church to have a contribution. I think the decision making when, when the new pastor comes, whoever that is, uh, that comes, uh, that, that, that the decision making will be driven by the pastor and the, and the board here, I guess. That will be the way to run the church properly, okay? So I understand that one of the options is to, uh, to really see this English church grow and to glorify God. I'm sure this is uh, the, the overall deacon's uh, heart's desire, right? Everybody's heart desire to see more people saved and people discipled and, peop- and people live a life of glorify God and flourishing and love one another and the community. A lot of things need to happen, like a, like a midweek, weekly. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of a small group meeting on a weekly basis. I know that I've said it before, but you know, in future, there's something that has to happen. It's more community. It's really community, right? Community is so important. Because Sunday, you can see that, you know, worship, and then somebody preach, and everybody take some bites and say hello, and a lot of people already left. That is not fellowship, you know. So you, have, you need a deeper, you're going to walk life together, basically. Do life together. Because that is called small groups. All churches uh, thrive because of small groups. Sunday morning pulpit is, and the worship is, is great, but it's not complete. If you look at the book of Acts chapter 2, uh, the people group together, gather every day. <laughs> they did not say that the pulpit is so powerful or the worship is so powerful. Uh, they didn't say that. In the book of Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, you see the church explode, the 3,000, and the Lord added new people to them every day, every day. So I just want to sow that seed with you all. Uh, make sure you get that. Uh, and uh, well, once the leadership vacuum, there's a leadership vacuum here, and everybody knows that. Uh, so uh, when the pastor, uh, you know, I don't know when they're going to start searching of this. Uh, but if I want to get this job, it'll be a part-time uh, pastoral. You know, me wasn't here. Me needs to know that because she's our new deacon now. <laughs> so that's the way it goes. All right. So let me uh, just quickly. Uh, in, in line with that, I think the government structure, what Charlie's the material thing, I'm going to read out more on the polity. And there are two structures basically in church. Apart from the pastor, there's elders, there's deacons. Okay, there are two structures. Deacons, 
uh, elder is more into the spiritual side of thing, oversight, helping you know with the the, the pastors like a, like the, the chief elder if you like senior elder or chief elder, and they will provide counseling, they will provide input, that kind of thing on on the church. Deacons will be oversight on the practical needs of the church. So right now the ch- lilac is kind of formed on deacons, no no elders. So that is a need for that to happen. And again, I know that this is a 15, this morning is more than 15 people. Praise be to the Lord. <laughs> right now. The youth group are here. Last few times they were helping with the VBS. Okay. So we, we don't have the youth group here. But today I'm yeah, so they are back now because yeah, VBS is done, right? Praise the Lord. So, <laughs> uh, so they are back here. So we, we had about 20 to 30 people, which is a really good size this morning. 26, huh? Wow, good. Gina, you count. Thank you. <laughs> so I think if we go along, um, I'm going to just let you know my schedule, okay? I'm here next week. Here. We are here next week. October will only come once. Do you have a balloon? I don't have a balloon as well, so. Uh, I want to, yeah, if you grab my thanks, uh, me. Uh, so uh, then November, I'll come, come twice. I think December once or something. Yeah, so, so I do need, uh, I think you, I, I thank you. I told uh, Pastor Yi Shun as well, it'd be good that I could maintain twice kind of thing a month. So keep the momentum. It's a very important word, you know, momentum. Momentum is very, very important. And also the momentum generated by the Spirit of God. Okay? So I do sense that the Spirit of God moving and creating something in this group. And also see Johnny back, you know, consistently now, which is a really good thing, sign. Okay? And also, and the people, my, my job is to equip and also sow the seed of fire, the Word of God. Equip people to get to know the truth. And people get fired up because of the truth, you know, not because of some charisma or some some enthusiasm, which I'm sure I, you know, I have some of those things. So, uh, so, <laughs> so if you can grab those together, that's my my role. I mainly role to do this, and then the pastoral role, the the counseling part of it, that will come, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, so that that the momentum is very important. Spiritual momentum. Okay. So that, let me, uh, before I jump, let me take a quick look at October. So, yeah. All right. Whatever. Okay. I, I want to share with you real quick. Uh, this is very, very good thing about the, this book called Catechism. Catechism, by the way, I just want to, to give you the introduction. <coughs> like qu- question one of Catechism, what is the chief end of man? What is your, the end, chief end? What is the chief purpose of man and woman in this world? The answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You see, most people will think that, yeah, I understand that all Christians were supposed to glorify God, glorify, glorify. How many of you know that you are to enjoy God forever? Because if you want to glorify God all the time, sometimes we may walk away thinking this is a task or a taskmaster. You know, wait, just glorify God, glorify the pulpit, preach, glorify, glorify God. I'm tired. How about give me some enjoyment with God? This is catechism. And, then, and when I say this word, there's a lot of scripture to back it up, which I, I'm not giving it today. But I'm just giving it a little foretaste and why this is important for church. Okay? So because you're supposed to enjoy God. When you enjoy God, you want to come to church yourself. 
You enjoy God, you enjoy one another. You come to church, you don't have to pull people. It's so enjoyable. You know, from my Pentecostal charismatic background, the thing that draws us is worship. We come, oh, we're lost in worship. I mean, just, you know, like I go to uh, the, the winter, when I was much younger, when I started my career, I, I, I used to work in a, in, a, in, a, in a resort place, which is about an hour's drive. At that time, you know, transportation was bad in Malaysia. And I missed Sunday. I missed two Sundays. Third Sunday, I came back. I'm the first one in church. Yeah, seriously, I came back. Where's everybody? Is the church still here? Because I missed the church so much. That's the kind of feeling you need to generate in people's hearts and minds. And how? The church at that time, Good News Fellowship, uh, Doreen was there, my wife was there, and uh, it's not exactly the, the most powerful expository preaching pulpit, but it is what? Worship. <coughs> Charismatic thrives of worship. Worship God in spirit and truth. People's longings, and some people cry, you know. I'm, I'm, by the way, by the way, by the way, if you guys think it's too emotional, David cried, okay? David cried. David lamented. David worshipped God with all his heart. David went out and danced before God because he really loves God. He really wants to celebrate God. You know, some people are like so private, you know. Oh, I can't say, I can't tell you different things. I post my Facebook, I post my Facebook on my birthday. Not, not that I want people to say happy birthday, you know, it doesn't matter. But what important thing, what God has done in my birthday. I got the opportunity to share the gospel with a Jewish family for the first time in my life. We had a one hour, Doreen was, was wondering what happened to me. I'm supposed to go over the, just to turn off the AC and turn off the one hour conversation. Isn't it marvelous? It happened on 911, my birthday. So I thought that's a wonderful gift from God. So I just, just and that, that, that worship longing from the heart. Now if we can harness that together with the, with the expository reform teaching doctrine and catechism, I, I foresee and envision that this will be reformed, charismatic, reform way. It will be so powerful. Okay. Now, what is your only comfort in life and death? That's another question. Can you, can you imagine that kind of question? What is, your own, what is your only comfort in life and death? I shared that with my mom. Because she talked about going to the graveyard and all this stuff. Sometimes when I hear that, I just really... Depressed me, heaviness on my heaviness on my heart. And, you know, because I only speak to her over the phone. I try to change the topic. I try to strengthen her, comfort her, and I told her this one. The she's answer Malaysia, is, right? huh? She's in yeah, she's Malaysia. She's like 80, 83 now, and she can't walk too fast and all this stuff. Oh boy, we used to go and visit her every every year. Now it's like almost two years we haven't been because of COVID. We're supposed to fly this December. Now December is out of the window as well because Malaysia is not ready. Mm-hmm. We're going there to quarantine ourselves for two weeks. Yeah, so, so we decided we're not going this December, push to next year, you know. And my class is intense, so February next summer or something. So, so anyhow, I was telling my mom that the answer that your only comfort in life and death is that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That means you live for Christ and die for Christ. Dying is something that most Christians don't even want to talk about. Especially for Chinese culture, you don't talk about death, right? Don't even mention it. Don't even mention it, yeah. Because I know it, and guess what? 
uh, the gospel, the Christianity has the, has the courage to face death and life squarely and tell you what is the hope. Because we're not talking about the death, we're talking about death, we're talking about death with hope. That will be the, the things that Chinese people in Long Island want to hear. Tell me, I'm telling you, this is a very powerful gospel message. Because Chinese people are so fearful of death, we don't want to talk about that. And yet this is the hope we can give it to you. See, we live body and soul to my faithful Savior and nothing else. Let me give you something like, Catechism comes from Westminster and Heidelberg. Two words, very important. So if you guys take note, I'm, I'm recording audio, but anyhow, you can have that. But you can, if you write that, there'll be, be good stuff. You, the book you can actually buy as well. Um, Heidelberg Catechism. Heidelberg is a very, very important threshold turning point of Christianity in history. Heidelberg and the Westminsters. And they, they, they have many creeds and statements of faith, okay? So these are the things. And two, now listen to this. This one, this is important. Today, many churches and Christian organizations publish statements of faith. Statement of faith. I, I used to run churches before. We have statement of faith. But the statement of faith outlined the beliefs. But in the past, it was expected the documents of the nature will be so biblically rich and carefully crafted that they will be memorized and used for Christian growth and training. <coughs> We're not dealing the previous, the early, early churches do not use statement of faith. Early churches use rich, biblical, rich and crafted uh, theologies, teachings, so that we can memorize it. That's catechism. Catechism is raising our kids. They memorize, they remember the word of God, they memorize it. You know, the joke is, uh, Tim Keller gave, the, not a joke, but it's a real thing. His son, when he was, the son was young, like six, seven years old, they dropped the kids to some uh, kind of uh, nanny, and the nanny picked it up, put it in the apartment one day, and then this little boy looking up to the sky, like dazed. And then the nanny was say, hey, Sonny, what, what are you thinking? I'm thinking about uh, what's my chief purpose in life towards God? So, <laughs> <laughs> the nanny said, call the mom and dad. I think mean, we have a genius here. Come on, guys. And the mom and dad laughed. And said, Actually, this is what we taught them. Because of what? Catechism. Catechism is a, it's a, it's a good biblical indoctrination. That is what it is. Yeah. This is called catechism. Maybe you better define statement of faith because every church has one, but it really comes down to what it's there for. Yeah, yes. I, I just got it because uh, the statement of faith, it's, and all this because they are so much superficial and uh, shallow compared to the catechism. You know, that, that, that will be. So, so the, the effect, now catechism is not only for kids. Catechism for adults. We need the catechism. Now, let me give you give forward more questions like, uh, okay. The word catechism in Greek is catechem, which means to teach orally by, or instruct by word of mouth. Okay, so, so let, me, let me say this. The laws practice of catechism. Today, the practice of catechism, particularly among adults, has been almost completely lost. Modern discipleship programs, that's an important one, discipleship. Lilac Church needs a, or any church, your church here needs a discipleship program. You need a, a discipleship called accountability, to hold one another accountable. 
Okay? You can speak to one another's lives. You need an occasion, a space to create that. And then you can talk to one another, speak to one another. Right now, it's like, you know, I, I just don't see that. So, if people don't have accountability, people go f- f- like a wild west. Wild, wild west. Everybody do whatever they feel like, as long as they worship Jesus, which is the most important one. But, you gotta be, but worshiping Jesus, the expression of that worship Jesus has got to be expressed into more solid ways of discipleship. Just like the book of Acts. The book of Acts have tremendous honor and, uh, and, uh, and the homage to, towards the apostles, for example. And then they make it work. All right? So let me tell you this. Modern discipleship programs concentrate on practices such as Bible study, prayer, fellowship, and evangelism. And can at times be superficial when it comes to doctrine. So what it says is doctrine is uh, these this, uh, programs are superficial. Because it's lack of doctrines. Because, do- because they're never taught. They just tell you do. Evangelize. <laughs> let's go evangelism. Okay? Fellowship. Let's do fellowship. Let's prayer. Do prayer. So these are things are good. But you need to have reached. The doctrines is, have become superficial. In contrast, the classic catechism takes students through the Apostles' Creed. How many of you have heard of Apostles' Creed, for example? I know right? it by heart. Yeah, okay. I learned it in the Catholic Church when I was like... So you got to respect, you got to give, you know, respect to a Catholic Church. They, they, the theology on some of these things are good, so are strong. And, and a lot of evangelical church, churches today, modern, lost all of this. Because, you know, that's why... Catechism is one to recapture them in much more richer ways than what the Apostles' Creed is one of them. Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Luther taught about the Lord's Prayer in the most amazing way. You know, break it down from the heart. And, and the perfect balance of biblical theology, practical ethics, and spiritual experience. Three things. Ethics, your personal experience, and theology. Catechism. First, you must have the biblical theology. If you don't have the biblical theology, then you don't know where to operate from. Everybody can have his opinions. That's one. Number two, that theology has become an ethics. Ethics means how you work things, you know, your, your action, your ethics, like forgiveness, like honor one another, like love one another, like be hospitable to one another, especially the saints. Uh, like uh, visiting the sick. These are all ethics. And how do you deal with uh, you know, the social problems of the political corruptions or the liberal the LBGT? These are ethics. <clears throat> and then the spiritual experience, which is deep, which is really important. This is what I mean when the charismatic Pentecostal comes to church. Worship. It takes us into a spiritual experience that is deep. And also, not just that, the, the preaching of the Word of God Gives us a real deep experience. So you need to experience the word, not just hear the word. You've got to experience the theology. That's what Kellogg's prayer, Lord, help me to experience my theology. That's a good prayer. Everything I preach, Lord, help me to experience it. Or else I'm just be a guy who talk, talk and talk and talk. But I want to take that into my heart, my, my heart and feelings in as well, right? So spiritual experience. Now, also the 
Catechetical discipline and memorization drives concepts deeper into the hearts and naturally holds students more accountable to master this material than to do typical discipleship courses. Memorization. So this catechism will require us to memorize. So bit by bit. And when you do it together, it's more fun, it's more motivating than one person. So we say, okay, the first one, we're going to do this. So we have not started yet. This is just the intro for today, okay? So, um... And that we will hold students accountable to master the courses. So we hold you, 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 me. We hold one another accountable to master, to memorize the scripture. Once if we get this Sunday school memorized and going, then it will spread to the rest. So this is the uh, Jerusalem, if you like. Finally, the practice of answering questions. So we will have answer the questions. Catechism, we teach, and then you ask questions, they answer. Q&A. Uh, brings instructors and students into a natural interactive dialogue process of learning. It's a good way of learning Q&A. In short, catechism instruction is less individualistic and more communal. That's another good one. That means you learn as a community. Our society has become so individualistic. I learned my thoughts. Don't leave me alone. I just, leave, I just learn myself and things. But... Catechism from the biblical model, the world, the way the book of Acts is telling us is community. We learn together, we eat together, uh, we love one another. You see the word one another, one another is so many times in the book of Acts, that's only possible through communal. Parents can catechize their children. One time I say, right, the word is catechizing us uh, whether we like it or not. It means they are brainwashing. Yeah, teaching. So we better start with our kids. We better start with ourselves. We, must, we better preempt it before they, 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 they shape and mold our minds. We got to do it. Catechism is just a really good one to do it. New leaders, because of the richness of the material, catechism, questions and answers may be integrated in corporate worship as well. Corporate worship can have catechism, catechism truth. Bring it out, you know. That's why we, we like, we, our encouragement to have worship to carry some of this doctrinal truth into it. Hymns are very good, I know. So just, just, just a thought for the worship people. Bring that into your worship. Okay, so the church, so that's where the church can confess their faith and respond to God with praise. One of the problems with the, the charismatic evangelical worship song is because theologic doctrine is very shallow. Yeah. So the, the, the Reformed people have poked at it, pointed at it. You see, you're repeating the same thing again and again and again. There's not much substance in it. That's one. Number two, it's more of your self-expression feelings from you. From you. It's you. You. How about from God? Who God is? The characters of God attributes. I think you need both. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have that. The book of Psalms really have both. For those people, I know that, you know, um, and a lot like this one, Hugh songs and Bethel Church and stuff, you know, um, because... There's an article written about it that is very man-centered doctrines and theology. But if you look at the book of Psalms, it's very David-centered. David expressing all his heart. How do, you ex- how do you have interaction with God in deep emotions if you don't express your heart? Right? So this, I have no problem with ex- human expression of adoration and struggle to God. But don't repeat to Yeah, but is the example. Yeah, but don't repeat <laughs> No, no, but, but he's, he's, he's more than an example. So you, but you don't want to take it as, as, a, as a repetitions in, in either. So you want to have both. 
exp expression and and uh, and, and, and uh, book of Psalms. Okay. Uh, that's why the the music repertoire needs to reflect the, the full expanse of church history. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, Paul says, you know, I speak to one another is uh, psalms, hymns, and spirits. Right, right. So, like, those are the three real categories of songs. So, you know, I try to mix it up so that you have some of the classic hymns, you know, and some of the contemporary. And, right, right. And I usually try to end with a testimony song so, so that people can have something in their heart. Right, right. Yep, yep. Um, let's just carry on this, okay? Because we lost the practice of catechism today, superficial smatterings, this is the word, superficial smatterings of truth, blurry notions of God and godliness, and thoughtlessness about the issues of living, career-wise, community-wise, family-wise, and church-wise, are all too often the marks of evangelical congregations today because of the lack of doctrinal uh, catechis catechism training and and, the, and, the, and then what, what, what it has produced today is a lot of churches are superficial, superficial smatterings of biblical truth. And the notion of God is blurry. Blurry about who God is and the godliness. And that, because if the notions of God is blurry, all the issues of life becomes blurry. Like what? Like community, family, church, whatever, become blurry. So that's why we want catechism. Question? What is catechism again? Okay, ca yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good question. Okay, catechism, uh, uh, this, that is, is, here it goes. The word catechism from the Greek is catechem, which means to teach orally or to instruct by word of mouth. Basically, to teach orally and by word of mouth. Let's go catechism. Is this a fancy way of saying, repeat. John, do you have some? Background to that, or I think Charlie? It's, it's more like the pedagogy, you know. I mean, it's a way of you know, teaching, teaching children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to know what the it started off with, a church has a statement of faith. What it starts off is is really what in the statement of faith you're saying what we believe. So our members here in this church believe these things. So it might be something like, what's the first two words of the Apostles' Creed? Uh, I believe in one God. Right. I like in this increment a little bit better because it says we believe. Because I think that more reflects what's yeah, the communal. Our Father, yeah. you know, everything is a we. So once you have a statement of faith and you say, this is what we believe, now you have to go into detail. Okay, why do you believe that? What do you believe about God? Yes, I believe in God. Okay, what do you believe about God specifically? Is it one God? Is it the God that exists in the Trinity? What is your duty as a human being, as God's child? Which was the first question in the Catechism. Yep, so yep. it started so, to teach you what you believe about God and, and your faith. So meaning it's the doctrinal standards. It's about doctrines. It's not like uh, oral instruct teaching like, uh, uh, you know, the... Yeah, you know, other less important. I mean, this doctrine, catechism deals with doctrinal truth. The, the Trinitarian God, I believe in one God. That's a doctrinal statement. So every church has a statement of faith. These are doctrine. So catechism deals only with doctrine. It doesn't tell you, like, uh, you should uh, uh, love, uh, do this, <laughs> whatever other things. There are a lot of things the Bible covers. But catechism is specifically on doctrinal truth. 
go right on the Google. No, the, uh, on Lilac's website has their statement of faith. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Uh, nice. Yes, question. Um, why are and then we will, uh, we would, we will uh, do some other stuff. <clears throat> some of the catechism exams, um, the Catholics have that, the Methodist Church has that, the Anglican Church, Episcopalian has church, Presbyterian Church has, has that, all the denominational church have that. But my mom has, uh, you know, wants to get water baptized in Methodist Church, you have to go through one month or two months of catechism, make sure you understand, set some goal, set some standard, that is a good thing, you know. So it's not, so catechism, because of doctrinal richness, sets standards for the church. Like, for example, you become a member of Lilac Church. Do you need to go through some catechism? Do you need to know some doctrinal truth? Not just anyone become a member, for example. So you got to hold the, hold the standard high because the Bible, go by what the Bible says, for example. I mean, give you some example, okay? The original Anglican Book of Common Prayer has the catechism. The Lutheran churches have Luther's large catechism and small catechism of 1529. The earliest Scottish churches, though they had Calvin's Geneva catechism, 1541, and the Heidelberg catechism of 1563, went on to produce and use Christ's catechism, Duncan's Latin catechism, eventually become Westminster's catechism. That's the one most churches use Presbyterian churches. That's, that's the one I want to implement. If I get to implement in this church, it will be catechism. It will be Westminster's Confession. It will be Westminster's Catechism. It is, it's the richest. It's the most modern. It's complete. You see, the problem is we don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to because you don't have the time. Number two, you have to have the intellectual power. You have, you have to get an MD. PhD. You're going to study all the church traditions to come up. This, this, this guy's a genius. I mean, Calvin, you know, even if you get a PhD, you may not even write even a tenth of what he's written, for example. 
So, so we have to run on the shoulders of our forefathers. Amen. We must not think we have wild west. We must not do our own things. We, you know, I know America loves uh, liberty. But right on it, you have real freedom. And then you have stronger children, stronger youth groups, stronger worship groups, stronger attendance. People know the doctrines so that our kids can explain to the world who's talking and pull them to the world. Hey, why do you believe in your God? That's so exclusive, right? Only Jesus can you explain that? Can your kids explain that? These are doctrines. This guy called Puritan Pastor Richard Baxter is a, is a great guy. J.I. Packer wrote a thesis on him. He's, he he will minister the 17th century in, in England, wanted to system, systematically train heads of families to instruct their households in the faith. This is what it is. Catechism is systematic teaching for the heads of the families to teach their children and everybody in the household. So catechism has, has to happen in your own families, not just the church. So parents can do the job too. So to do so, Baxter wrote his own family catechism, which is adapted to the capacities of his people. And he brought the Bible to bear on many of the issues and questions his people were facing at that time. Catechism is to bring the Bible to to bear at the issues that you face in life. It's to, bear, to bring the Bible teachings to, to answer the questions you have in life. All right? Right. So catechism have three purposes. I'll end here. Right? Three. The first is to set forth a comprehensive exposition of the gospel. Comprehensive exposition of the gospel. Not only to, or, to explain clearly what the gospel is, but also to lay out the building blocks on which the gospel is based. Building blocks. So that the biblical doctrines of God, of human nature, and of sin, and so forth. So these are the building blocks. The, the doctrine of God. The human nature. The, what is sin, and so forth. The second purpose is to, to do exposition in such a way that the heresies, errors, and false beliefs of the time and culture were addressed and counteracted. Too many heresies are going on in this world now. If we don't teach doctrinal truth, our kids will be compromised. Ourselves will be compromised. You know, universal faith is say all truth leads to God. Always leads to God. Number third purpose is the final one. The third and more pastoral purpose of catechism is to form a distinct people, a counterculture that reflect the likeness of Christ. Not only individual character, but in the church communal life. So these are three characters, three purposes. Any questions about this? And then we'll pray, and then we we'll go on to the, if we have time in church government thing. <laughs>